this is James Schofield, and you're listening to Behind the Bottom Line. This is episode four of season seven, and today we're going back to the office for a story called The Kitchen Burglars. Most of us have hardly seen an office for the last two years, but this will serve as a reminder about what strange places they really are. Hopefully this year it'll be possible to start meeting each other in offices again, though I think the whole concept of what we use offices for will probably be quite different, in which case this story will be perhaps seen as a piece of nostalgia in a few years' time. But never mind, sit back and relax as I take you back and remind you about how offices used to be. Right, said Terry, as William and I opened some beers. Here's the plan. He turned off the lights so we could see his PowerPoint presentation clearly. This is the third floor of the building. Outside, the fire escapes are on the north and south sides. Inside, the conference rooms are on the right and the accountancy department is on the left and directly opposite the lift is our target. We nodded. Now, there are cameras everywhere, so normally it's impossible to get in or out of the building unseen. We nodded again. But at 8.30am this Saturday, the electricity will be turned off for 20 minutes while new computer equipment is installed on the 10th floor. In that 20 minutes, we are going to get in, steal the target and get out down the south side fire escape. On Monday morning, the accountants will find everything gone and nothing to connect it with us. Terry, I asked, why don't we just take whatever is inside the target? Speed, Kevin, speed. It's quicker to take everything. Terry, said William, you are a criminal mastermind. Who else would think of stealing the accountancy department's fridge? Now you probably think stealing a fridge belonging to an accountancy department is a strange thing to do. Especially when I also tell you that we work in the same company. But we are from the advertising department on the fifth floor and for the last six months we have been at war with the accountants on the third floor. It started when William wanted to borrow a packet of coffee and they refused. Well, he just took one from their kitchen when nobody was looking. Unfortunately, typical accountants, they noticed it was gone and the next day somebody put salt in our sugar. A week later we mixed chilli powder in their secretary's fruit tea and so it continued. One time I found a plate of chocolate muffins in their kitchen and I took a bite out of each one. Another time they cooked some very old fish in our microwave. 
Of course, when senior management noticed these activities, they told us to stop. But it was so much fun that after about a week we started again. Anyway, on Friday, William and I hid in our office. We knew old Charlie, the security officer, wouldn't leave his television set by the ground floor main entrance and waited. Then next morning at 8.30, we went quietly down the fire escape to the third floor, past the cameras and into their kitchen. By 8.40, we were carrying the fridge down to the street where Terry was waiting to drive us back to his flat. Very nice, said Terry, when we found champagne, smoked salmon and caviar inside it. They certainly look after themselves in accountancy. We ate and drank everything and went home very cheerful. But on Monday, when I got into work, I found Terry and William were not at all cheerful. In fact, they looked quite ill. What's up? I asked. The fridge has gone, said William. I know, I said. We took it. Not their fridge, hissed Terry. Ours. We went into our kitchen, and there our fridge wasn't. But, I began, then stopped as Tamsin, personal assistant to Harriet Raddle, the company president, came in. Ah, good. Ms Raddle wants to see you in her office, now. When we arrived, Rajiv, Gavin and Deirdre from the accountancy team were also there. We looked suspiciously at each other, but said nothing. Ms Raddle sat at her desk, writing. The tension in the room increased. After five minutes, she finally spoke. Sit down and watch this. With a remote control, she turned on a large TV monitor. The screen had two windows, and in both of them a familiar scene was playing. Luckily, the electrical shutdown planned for Saturday was cancelled, said Ms. Raddle. So, the cameras filmed the advertising department stealing the fridge from the third floor, and the accountancy department stealing the fridge from the fifth floor. Now, unless you have a good explanation, I'm going to the police. We all looked at the floor. Finally, Terry spoke. It was, um, just a joke, Miss Reddle. We thought the cameras were off and we wanted to play a little joke on the accountancy department. You don't need to go to the police. Miss Reddle looked at Rajiv. Yeah, he mumbled, a joke on the advertising department. She looked at us thoughtfully. I see. Well, if you want to keep your jobs, I have three requirements. One, I want the fridges back. Two, no more jokes. She paused and I relaxed. We weren't in too much trouble. Three, both fridges must contain the smoked salmon, caviar and champagne. We all 
looked at her in horror. Oh, yes, she said. Tamsin bought that stuff for some important guests coming tomorrow. We didn't have enough space up here, so she put it in your fridges on Friday evening. She handed over a shopping list. You should go to Harrods, she said. It'll cost all six of you about £250 each. She looked at our open mouths and laughed. You know, I think the joke might be on you this time. And then she went to her next meeting. Kitchen Burglars was written for Business Spotlight and originally had a different name. It was called The Great Kitchen War. And offices are odd places. There are all sorts of strange dynamics there. And that's what I wanted to explore in this story. One of the strangest places is the office kitchen. And I think that's because it's an area which you have to share with other people. So uh, unless, of course, your office has a hot desking policy where, where you don't have a fixed desk, the office kitchen is somewhere where you actually have to really interact with people. And this is handled in different ways. Now, some offices are quite good at sharing facilities like um, tea kettles or coffee machines. But you also see quite often offices where in the kitchen you will have different coffee machines lined up which belong to different departments. I remember one kitchen in particular that I used to go into and this had something like four or five different coffee machines, each with the department's name on them uh, and each with various ferocious messages about how other people were not allowed to use that particular coffee machine. Now, although people might well have a, have their own coffee machine, what you don't have is a departmental dishwasher. This will have to be shared, quite obviously. And the dynamics about emptying or loading dishwashers is also very, very problematic. In the offices that I used to work in, there were various notices in most of the kitchens encouraging people, or rather, passive-aggressive encouraging people to load the dishwasher. And there would be messages like, do you like a clean kitchen? So do we. So put your cup and plate into the dishwasher. Now, of course, this is actually a real problem. Quite often, I would see men, nearly always men, coming into the kitchen and just dumping their cup, dumping their plate on the side uh, when there was a perfectly empty dishwasher there for them to put their cup and plate. And as for emptying the dishwasher, this was also something that most men, I emphasize this, most men were very reluctant to actually do themselves. There was, however, one man in particular who I, if I was in the office early and I went to the kitchen, uh, he would not need always to be found um, making himself his coffee and emptying the dishwasher at the same time. But he was a rare example. Something else which is also quite difficult in office kitchens um, is when you use the wrong mug. So when you are maybe a guest or visiting, 
another department for a period of time. You go into the kitchen, you take a mug from the cupboard, and then you find out that you are using the boss's mug. And this happened to me on a regular basis at a stage of my life where I was quite often visiting as a consultant different offices. Uh, and the last thing you wanted to do as a consultant was to make a bad impression. And I regularly managed to do this by going into the kitchen and stealing the boss's cup. And I would then be told by at least two or three people, oh dear, that's the boss's mug, you better put that back. Fridges are also a place of great sensitivity. Something I've always suffered from is milk stealing. Uh, now, as an English person, I like my cup of tea. And inevitably, if I kept some milk in the fridge, somebody else would steal it, which was super annoying. Now, one way I had of responding to this was to write ferocious labels onto my milk saying, this is my milk and I can see what you're doing. But I don't think it really helped very much. Now, of course, some office fridges, people are so well trained that various objects will stay in the fridge for centuries, including when the person who put them there in the first place has actually retired. And here I have a guilty confession. I've left a jar of strawberry jam in building 48 on the sixth floor of Neuperlach since February 2019, and I've haven't managed to get back to throw it away. So word of advice to anybody who might happen to open a fridge in Munich on the sixth floor, building 48 in Neuperlach, and should they see a jar of strawberry jam there, not just any old jam, but uh, tip tree strawberry jam, should they see it, I would not recommend eating it. It'll probably kill you. Kitchens are also the place where all sorts of interesting conversations happen. On lots of occasions, I've gone into kitchens to see two people who normally I haven't seen together, deep in conversation about stuff which, of course, I try to eavesdrop, uh, but can't necessarily pick up on. And it makes sense because this is a, uh, a mutual area where people are often sharing food and drink. And so uh, inevitably, all sorts of conversations take place. On one occasion, this happened to me. Somebody I was meeting came in, sat down opposite me and told me, my wife is having an affair. Uh, and then, of course, we got involved in one of those conversations where we were ignoring the rest of the world that was walking past us for the next um, hour or so. which of course leads on to that other area which is so fascinating in the context of the office, the office romance. And here I have to make a confession. I met my wife in an office and and I think there was probably no end of flirtatious behaviour that most Americans would consider really quite unsuitable. And I think probably if we'd been working for an American company, it would never actually have got off the ground at all. Americans like to have everything cut and dried. I remember a friend of mine telling me of an extraordinary incident in the US when he was working in an office in Washington. And he said to a girl there, um, hey, would you like to go to the cinema this weekend? And she said, yes, but we're not dating. And this American preference for having everything 
cut and dried and completely clear um, is completely alien to uh, an English person. If my wife and I had had to go to HR and tell them after two months that we were dating, um, this would just simply never have happened. We'd have spent about a year saying, well, are we dating? I mean, would you, is this, do we call this dating or, you know, I mean, really? Is that how you see, I, how do you see, I mean, we, we'd never have, we'd have broken up. And this is because I think English people like ambiguity. If you look at the language, this is very clear. What I do think is interesting is the concept of the office spouse. So this is somebody with whom you can have a very strong, supportive relationship in the workplace, but without the sex to complicate things. And I have to admit, I've had my share of office wives over the over the past 30 years or so. And it's nice. You go into the office, you're pleased to see, see someone, you work well together, you tell each other all sorts of stories, both personal and non-personal, but then there's no sex which goes and spoils everything and makes things difficult. And I used to worry a little bit about this and think that I was in being in some way unfaithful, but I don't think I am. But actually, it's really just a way of dealing with the insanity of working in an office space with a group of people quite closely over a long period of time. And after all, you spend so much time in the office, um, it makes sense that you should form these strong bonds with different people there. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember, if you visit my website, behindthebottomline.com, uh, or if you have Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can give me a review or give my stories a rating. Uh, and that would be very, very helpful for spreading the word about Behind the Bottom Line. And remember, you can read each of this season's stories on my website. Next week's story is called Brain Waves. A man adopts his company's super learning tool for himself and finds that great success comes at a great price. I hope you'll be back to listen to it. Until next week, take care and goodbye.